wonderful. I bless God for each and every one of you who has made time to be here on Fulfilling Life in Christ Koinonia, which is our Bible study fellowship. And FLIC is the acronym for Fulfilling Life in Christ Koinonia, where we teach the finished works of Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with an emphasis to the finished works and the effects that abound in the life of a believer. Last week, we started a series called Salvation, or rather, What is Salvation? And in that series, we sought to explore this foundational teaching of salvation. Why? Because we believe it is the basis for all Christian belief. Without salvation, it is impossible to have anything that relates to Jesus Christ. And so we looked a bit at some of the writings in the word of God. And one of the things we said is that salvation is the central theme of the Bible and it forms the basis of Christianity. It is a subject that affects the very core of man's existence. Hence, it is a subject that must not be taken lightly as it is the primary thought exuded in the canon of the scriptures. Salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And we read 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, that says, and that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Paul writes to Timothy and says that from a child, you have been acquainted with the holy scriptures, which in this particular context will be Genesis to Malachi, that from a child, you have been acquainted with Genesis to Malachi, and it has given you the ability to be able to explain salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. It means that when you read Genesis to Malachi, the central theme of the Bible will be salvation through Jesus Christ. We looked at examples of the types of uh, the shadows and the substance, and we're able to see throughout the Bible, the concept of salvation manifesting itself, albeit not very visible, but we can see the concept of it in so many different ways. Praise the Lord. And we said that we have to understand what is this particular term, salvation? And we looked into the word of God and we understood that the word salvation was translated from the Greek, Greek word soteria which is a noun which implies to rescue or bring to safety. And the word in its usage, widely in the word of God, could mean either physically or spiritually. The word soteria, which means to rescue or bring to safety, could either be that you are rescuing or bringing somebody to safety spiritually or physically. And it also implies deliverance or used also in relation to health. Deliverance, praise the Lord. That's why any deliverance ministry is a ministry of salvation. Deliverance happens at the point of salvation. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that you have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. Are we together? What now people call deliverance in the body of Christ is casting out devils. 
Praise the Lord. Which is a sign. It's a sign pointing to the reality, which is salvation. So casting out devils is not the it. It is not the central theme. It is not the activity. It is pointing towards, it's a sign. This sign shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. What is a sign? It points to something. That's why Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then you know the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it is a sign of the kingdom, that there is a kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Not having conversations with demonic spirits. Where are you from? Got to do. No, it's not about that. Listen, <laughs> beloved, it's about the gospel. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Oh, yes, I do. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Amen. So, the same word salvation was used, was also translated from the Hebrew word Yeshua. 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 Which has the same meaning and implication as the Greek word soteria. So, where the Greek word soteria, salvation, is used in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the word that is used is the word Yeshua, both salvation and imply the same thing, which means salvation either from physical rescuing or being delivered into safety, either physically or spiritually. Are we together? We also looked at meanings from the words uh, soteria, and that it has a root word in the Greek, which is the word sozo, a, a verb, which implies to save, to save, saved or delivered. And it also has the implication that it is protecting, preserving, healing, making whole. The word sozo was used one or three times in the New Testament writings. So the two meanings of the words is obvious that they were used by the authors in relation to preservation from danger or evil. That is to say, salvation from or being saved from something. That's the way the word salvation and saved were used. That you are saved from something or salvation from something. Are we together? You are rescued from something. Are we together? Why am I clarifying this? Can the word saved be used in another context? For example, give me those two bottles, save that cup. But it doesn't mean being saved from something. Are we together? Or how much money have you saved? It doesn't necessarily imply the usage of that word as being saved from something or salvation from something. Are we clear? So we are laying a foundation to just have that understanding. It's really simple, but it really helps us to understand. That's why we said there are certain contexts where this word was used, hallelujah, that was not necessarily talking about spiritual salvation. Because remember I said there's physical and there's spiritual. All right? Matthew chapter 8 verse 25, and his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. They were being saved from the storm. They were being saved from the storm. 
I don't know why when I'm speaking, there's so many jokes that are just coming to my mind and I have to put a break from them to not find manifestation. Hallelujah. At a teaser. Hmm? Block it. You remember that teaching? I am blocking them. The jokes are coming. All right, good. So we, we looked at that. And if you would like to revisit that sermon, it's available on our podcast, which is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it's available on all those five platforms. Surely you can have one of those apps on your mobile phone. You can enjoy the podcast. You can listen carefully and understand what we were trying to discuss. So after looking at that uh, passage, we also said that the same word being saved from, there was the physical saving, right? Then there was also the spiritual saving. There was a spiritual saving, all right? Matthew 18, 11, for the son of man is come to save that which was lost. To save that which was lost. You remember that song? I'm forever grateful to you. I'm forever grateful cross that you came to save and to seek and save the lost so there is that part where it is to save in relation to spiritual salvation okay mark 16 16 he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned shall be damned. All right? Then there's also <clears throat> references where it was also used for physical healing. Remember I said that also healing, that it's a little bit used for healing the word save. And um, in the English language, they, ha they have translated it as the word Paul, but in the Greek, it is still the word Soteria and Sozo. Are we together? So please understand this. Let me make it clear. When the translators of the Bible are translating it, okay, they would sometimes feel like to pick a certain kind of word to be most appropriate. Are we together? To be most appropriate. So, um, for example, um, I would, I would, I would say, for example, um, Charles, please fetch me a cup of water. Or I would say, please pour for me a cup of water. So they would decide, you see, it's the same thing, but they would use the different expressions, okay? Uh, to put those, uh, to explain as they felt it. So the same word was used here in the sense, in the sense that when the woman had an issue of blood, uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 21, it says, For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole, or I shall be sozod, or I shall be saved. You get it? 
and saved from what? Saved from the disease. Are we together? But the, 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 the interpretation in the English language was, I shall behold. But it's still the same root, root meaning, the root word for the same uh, salvation or saved. Are we together? So we also see that it has been used for sickness. All right. Um, in Mark 5.23, it says, and besought him greatly saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death and I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed or that she may be saved and she shall live. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole or I shall be saved. Are we together? So we see it also used in reference to healing. Amen. And even in James chapter 5, verse 15, it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. James 5.15. And you remember, whenever we look at the scripture, we look at the wholesome expression of the scripture, not single out scriptures. So the question is, how is somebody forgiven? How is somebody forgiven? How is somebody forgiven sins in the Bible? How have your sins been forgiven? By confessing Christ, right? Are we together? So it can never change for this particular verse to say that the person was sick because he was a sinner. The Bible says in James 5.15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, that it shall make the sick whole, and the Lord shall raise him up. That means if somebody was sick, a prayer of faith is made over them, it saves them or heals them, and they are raised up. Are we together? And if the person also has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Why? Because he will receive Christ. Are we together? Because that is the way that sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we can see the usage of that word salvation. This is layman teaching. I can bet you probably in your local church, you never came across this kind of explanation. It's good we learn it. So when you come across the word salvation, you know, there's being saved from sins, there's being saved from danger, there's being saved from sickness and disease, all right? From, uh, from uh, destruction, um, and we've also seen other implications of the same word, which means that um, preservation, in relation to preservation from danger or evil, are we together? So all these things are used in that particular term. And it's good for you to understand this, first and foremost, that none of them is wrong but the context will always play a part. For example, if you were to find yourself in physical danger and you cried out, Lord, save me. Maybe it's a road accident. It's an it's, it's a oncoming situation and you cry out, Lord, save me. 
Do you believe the Lord is able to save you physically from physical danger? Do you believe he is able to? Absolutely. He's able to. I remember many years ago as a child, we had a road accident. We had a head-on collision. Uh, no, no, not a head-on collision, rather, but we, uh, somebody entered the highway and braked. And my dad was driving. And I remember the only thing he said was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But I can say God saved us from that accident. He saved us from death. All right? So God still saves you from physical harm. He saves you from physical harm. He still saves you from the destructive nature of sickness and disease. But he also saves you from your sins. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So none of them are wrong. All of them are important, but you always have to understand in the context in which the word was used. Are we together? You have to understand the context in which the word was used. For example, you can look at somebody and say, you're fly. You're telling them they look good or something about their fly. So what an example, my goodness. All right, what an example. But basically, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's English, right? Or you can be just looking at a man. For those who like men with big heads, you know, your head. And you could be referring to the size of his head that is amusing you or the way he thinks. Okay, cool. So, guys, listen, focus, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right now listen listen we're getting the hang of it which is good we bless the lord all right so it's good to understand the context in which the word has been used for clarity of understanding for teaching sake so in the epistles the epistles the epistles start from uh, Romans, okay? All right? And if you're in the UK and a guy is real, you're like that, so it's just Romans, man. It's Romans, man. It's raw, man. Right? But here it's R-O-M-A-N-S, Romans. Now, focus. In the epistles, it is used primarily. Primarily. Now, listen. In the epistles, it is used primarily. In the epistles, it is used primarily in reference to the work of Christ. That is the fulfillment of all the prophets spoke concerning his sufferings for the sins of humanity and its consequence. In the epistles, soteria, salvation, that word salvation, is used primarily in reference to the work of Christ. That is, what is this work of Christ? The fulfillment of all the prophets spoke concerning his sufferings for sins of humanity and its consequence. All right? It is used in reference to what the prophets spoke before about his suffering for the sins of humanity and the consequence of that suffering. For example, the epistles, if they are focusing more on Christ's sacrifice, 
then they would borrow from the Old Testament prophecies that spoke specifically about Christ saving people from their sins. Are we together? For example, they would use Isaiah, who was wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities, chastised for peace, thy stripes were healed. He has carried away our, our, he has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. And we esteemed him not. Uh, we see that expression coming close to touching the issue of sin. Or when David said, blessed is the man in whom the Lord shall impute no iniquity. You see, those are prophecies that were speaking about Jesus and what he will do in relation to sin. Praise the Lord. Now, let us look at some of the examples so we can learn. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful, beautiful section. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's a beautiful statement. But you're justified by his blood. Justified by his blood. It means his blood was shed. He took the punishment of sin upon himself. And therefore now you are considered justified, cleared, exempted of all guilt, of all wrongdoing. You're exempted. It's like you've never done anything wrong. If you believe otherwise, that's where you go wrong. Now, you understand the point? Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Listen, you have been justified by his blood, so you are saved from wrath. You are saved from wrath. You are saved from torment, from hell. You are saved from punishment. You are saved from wrath because you have been justified by his blood. Hallelujah. So those days we used to sing that we are sure. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. When you were an enemy of God, he gave Jesus Christ to die for you, to reconcile you back. To God. He reconciled you back to God. And reconcile has two, has a twofold meaning. So reconcile means like when there was an enmity, he brought you back into a place of Harmony with God. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you ever met a guy called Harmony. Wow. 
Interesting, cool. So, um, the secular listeners know themselves. All right, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, we were reconciled to God. So one, we've been brought to a place of harmony with God, right? Now, is there any financial person in this place? There's also reconciliation. The reconciliation part of like your reconciling books to make sense of them, all right? They have to make sense. They have to reconcile. They have to be aligned. Figures have to balance, all right? So part of the other thing about reconciliation is your life has to balance with what God is saying about you. That's the thing about reconciliation. Does it make sense? There is what God has said about you. There's what he has credited into your account. And your life has to balance with that. What God says about you. Hallelujah. That's another aspect of reconciliation. So he reconciled you back to God. He brought you back. He brought you to God into a place of harmony, but also brought you to the place where your life is in agreement with what God is saying about you. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful thing. It says, for if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are saved by his life. What does it mean we are saved by his life? We have been brought into a place of safety by his life. We've been brought into a place of safety by his life. We've been brought to a place where there is no wrath or fear or there's any destruction that can come upon us by the very life of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Romans 8.24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope? Why doth he yet hope for? For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? All right? So we have an everlasting hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There is a great hope. Praise the Lord. We have been saved by hope. We have been brought into a place of safety. There is hope for us. And that hope is Christ. That hope is that we will always abide with him. That hope is that we will be preserved. That hope is that we will dwell with him. Hallelujah. As we are dwelling with him right now. Praise the Lord. Romans 9.27 saith, Esaiah also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. So that's where the word saved is used. Another place it's used is 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross to us who are saved, it is the power of God. That's why we can never take away the preaching of the cross. We can never take it away. What happened? Sometimes you ask yourself in the body of Christ that we would have meetings and focus on hairstyles. Hairstyles. 
I'm like check DIY on YouTube. All right, good. So uh, moving forward, First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirty three says, "Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved." Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. Paul was says, even as I please all in all, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Paul was endeavoring to really uh, do good to all men so that they can be saved. Ephesians 2.5 says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. By grace are ye saved through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Grace is what has availed salvation. Faith is what we access it by. Grace has made salvation available. Faith makes us access that salvation. Praise the Lord. It is by grace that you are saved. Not by your own works. Not by your own goodness. Not by your nice deeds. By grace and by grace alone. Eh? Solid gratia. Hallelujah. Make sense? You are loving it? All right. First Thessalonians 2.16. For those who are having a child, I suggest the name Thessalonians. All right. First Thessalonians 2.16. I mean, it's not a bad name. Thessalonians Kidogia. Huh? All right. Uh, First Thessalonians 2.16 says, Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Another one is First Timothy 2.4. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Beautiful passage. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? 2 Timothy 1.19, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. So God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in us in Christ Jesus before the world began. There is a purpose and grace over your life that was given to you in Christ Jesus before the world began. So God does not call you based on your goodness. The callings of God are simply by his grace. A holy calling means one that is unique and separate. Praise the Lord. It means one that's unique and separate. Okay? It's not a general calling for everyone. Like, hello, it's me. And everyone is just responding. No, no, no. It's unique. It's holy. It's for you specifically. 
Hallelujah. Amen. And it's according to his own purpose and grace. So never look down upon yourself. Never see yourself as incompetent because it is by his purpose and grace. Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. There used to be a song that we used to sing. No, we used to sing, but yeah, we used to sing it because we learned it somewhere in Cyrus former church. We used to say, not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. And we are complete in him. The spirit of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in my soul. The spirit of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in my soul. It's a beautiful song. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. Praise the Lord. Take it to the bank. All right. Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost, but come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's able to save to the uttermost, but come unto God by him. Anyone who comes to Jesus, anyone who comes to Jesus, anyone who comes to God by the name of Jesus, God is able to save them to the uttermost. Because Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus is your intercessor. Hallelujah. What does it mean for him to be your intercessor? It's not that he's kneeling down praying. Oh God, oh God, Kwemoi, Kwemoi again. He's going to eat that food you told him not to eat. Oh God, oh God, no. That's not what Jesus is doing. The intercessory ministry of Jesus means his sacrifice is always speaking, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Justify, justify, justify. Loved, loved, loved. Hallelujah. First Peter 3.21 says, The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying in that particular verse? First Peter 3.21 the like figure. You see, that's the thing. Sometimes we really become hell-bent on these things. They are beautiful experiences if you want them. But you see, it's called the like figure whereunto even baptism. The like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Baptism is figurative. It's a figure. And the baptism, beloved, listen, baptism, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is not putting away the filth of the flesh. It's not by washing you in water to show that now the flesh is clean. Hallelujah. You see, most of them, they're baptized, they come out. It's not about the putting away of the filth of the flesh. 
Praise the Lord. But it is the answer of a good conscience to a God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it was a figure demonstrating that one has died and that he is now risen. It dealt with the conscience, it dealt with the mind. It was figurative to help the mind understand that you have been buried and that you're now a new person. Praise the Lord. But if you come from Kavonzweni and there's no river there, we're going to baptize you. All right? Jude 1.5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Another reference. Okay, now pause there. So these scriptures in the epistles that are primarily in reference to the work of Christ, which is fulfillment of all the prophets spoke concerning his sufferings for the sins of humanity and its consequence. It shows that the same word saved was used severally, but for different purposes. Hence, the meaning of the word per time is determined by the context that it was used by the author. That is, it should be given, it should not be given a blanket or omnibus application when studying the scriptures. The same applies to the word salvation soteria. Are we together? So we now know when speaking about salvation from sin or being saved from danger or from sickness. Now we can see, oh, that's salvation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. We are moving, we are learning, hallelujah. God is teaching us his word and we are blessed. So we will look briefly at the term, uh, what is salvation? And then we will see where the Lord will enable us to stop, okay? Paul writing to Timothy in his second letter gives us a lead on the issue of salvation. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a child, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. So how is salvation attained? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is attained through faith in Jesus Christ. And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. So clearly the salvation spoken of here is in Christ. The question is salvation for what? Salvation for what? This salvation that happens through Christ is salvation for what? You will call me a new. Matthew 1.21. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21. 21. Matthew 1.21. 
and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Bible is clear. There is only one name by which men are to be saved, and that is the name of Jesus, not the name of or symbol. It's only the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Only the name of Jesus. Luke 177, it says, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. To give knowledge of salvation. So the knowledge of salvation, we know salvation. We know salvation by forgiveness of sins. We know salvation by forgiveness of sins. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Now we see salvation because our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. So it can clearly be seen that salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus, refers to being rescued or delivered from sin and its consequence. Listen to that. It can be clearly seen from the scriptures that salvation which is through faith in Christ Jesus refers to being rescued or delivered from sin and its consequence it refers to being rescued or delivered from sin and its consequence if I ask you who has saved you who will you tell me who has saved you who has saved you who has saved you who has saved you? Jesus. And what has he saved you from? He has saved you from sin and its consequences. Make sense? If I come and I told you guys, hey, yesterday I saved God of Russia, you'll be like, you saved him from what? And I'll tell you, there's probably a kitten that was trying to scratch him. And I caught the kitten because he was saved from a kitten scratch. But in relation to sin, we can say that now Jesus has saved us. Saved us from what? From sin and its consequence. Hmm. Now the question is this. Sin and its consequence. The consequences of sin. That's the payment of sin, which is good. Death. But also... Sin hardens the heart. The Bible says, admonish one another while he is called today, lest some of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there are consequences presently here that are sinful. I was given a story of, uh, should I share this? No, let me not share it. But let's just say sin is expensive. And sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. Are we together? It has consequences. And some of those consequences right now are present. We see, we see their impact. We see the impact because sin hardens somebody's heart and they carry unforgiveness in their heart. Sin hardens your heart and you become rude and arrogant, desensitized to other people. But Jesus came to save us from sin and 
its consequences. Jesus came to save us from sin and its consequences. So the consequences of sin have no hold in your life. Are we together? He has saved you from sin and its consequences. That's why we are no longer slaves to sin. No longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord for that wonderful teaching and we will continue to build up on it as the Lord ministers to us. But I just want to revisit these things so that you may take them home with you. Take this home with you. That in the epistles, primarily, the Bible is speaking about salvation as the work of Christ. That is his fulfillment of all the prophets spoke concerning his sufferings for the sins of humanity and its consequence. What was the consequence of Jesus' suffering? Your forgiveness. What was the consequence of Jesus' suffering? Your healing. What was the consequence of Jesus' suffering? Your sorrows and grief were carried away. What were the consequences of Jesus' suffering? You have been accepted and not rejected. What were the consequences of Jesus' suffering? Is that you have been loved. Is that you have been justified. And all those are the consequences of his suffering. He took our sins upon himself so that we can now live a life that is not dominated by sin. The word of God says, for God made him who knew not sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It is a beautiful statement. Hallelujah. Therefore, we know that salvation is through Christ, 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. So if somebody asks you, hey, who is your savior? Jesus Christ is my savior. Then what did he save you from? What did he save you from? Matthew 1.21, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus saved me from my sins. Hallelujah. And from the consequences. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know nothing by the name of Jesus, nothing but the name of Jesus, nothing but the name of Jesus. It is a beautiful, beautiful statement. There's a song that was sung many years ago, and I love it so much. I love it to bits. There's a song that is called All That Thrills My Soul. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. It says, who can cheer 
the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine. True and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed to call him mine. For all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000 in my blessed Lord I see. That means even if there are 10,000, the only one that I see is my blessed Lord Jesus. Because he's the only one that thrills my soul. The love of Christ so freely given. Grace of God beyond degree. Mercy that is higher than the heavens. Deeper than the deepest sea. For all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000 in my blessed Lord I see. And by the crystal flowing river with the ransom that will sing. And forever and forever praise and glorify the King. For all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000, it is my blessed Lord I see. He is more than life to me. And in the fairest of 10,000, it is only my blessed Lord Jesus that I see. I don't know if Jesus has thrilled your heart. I don't know if Jesus has thrilled your heart. I don't know if the reality of his forgiveness for you makes your heart skip or beat. I don't know if it captures your heart to understand that you are forgiven. Do you know what that means? It means God has no accusation against you. That is why you cannot live as if God is withholding things from you because he hates you or because you haven't paid certain dues to him. He is constantly freely giving. It is for us to understand that God is not mad at us. He's not angry at us. He has the best intention for us. So we can boldly say, because of Christ's sacrifice, because he was offered for my sins, I can now receive the consequence of that, that I am blessed, that I am loved, that I am enriched in all good things, that he has surrounded me with grace as and favor as a shield and that he cares for me. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. His love never changes. His love remains constant. He is not like men who might change. He remains faithful. Um, Hallelujah. Let's just open our mouths and begin to thank him. Thank you.